Well, we're going to pick right up where we've left. So what we're doing again at the first hour, we, we laid our framework, understanding God's plan for the future. And now we're walking through um, some areas that show that in current events, things are getting in place for the way the end times are described. And we've talked about the fact there'll be a one-world government, a one-world economic system, uh, a one-world religion, uh, a, a Antichrist that will bring in world peace. We've seen the desire for that. And now we're going to continue. And one of the things that the, prophet, the Bible says about the end times is that Babylon will be restored. Now, I will admit many Bible teachers will take the reference to Babylon, even uh, premillennial uh, dispensational Bible teachers will say, well, that's a spiritual thing or that's an economic thing. Um, I don't know why we would take Babylon any different from other things that are said in the Revelation. So I'm inclined to say it, it, it's referring to the literal Babylon. And uh, the Old Testament prophets also talk about this. A restored Babylon will be part of the world events. Now that always kind of seems struggling uh, since we've been, you know, we think back to the uh, Saddam Hussein and our shock and awe from, and as we went to war with uh, Iraq, Babylon, ancient Babylon is in modern day Iraq. And we think that nation was so destroyed and has been through so much. Surely not what Revelation describes. Revelation says Babylon will be a major center of economy, a major center of world events. Uh, <clears throat> Revelation chapter 18 verses 9 to 11, for instance, say, The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her, Babylon, will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning. Babylon will be destroyed. Standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. So it will be, the Bible says, an economic center. You look at it now and say, I don't think so. Though it's, you know, it's positioned on a major river in a major part of the world. So some things that point to the rise of Babylon. <clears throat> My first point there is Iraq intends to build 99 jetties in its Grand Fa port to make it the largest container terminal in Western Asia. They are being helped by China to develop what is going to be the largest port basically in the Middle East. 99 jetties uh, for container shipment. If you've been paying attention to the news, shipping in the Middle East has been very much in the news, and it's a very volatile situation right now with, uh, between the Somali pirates, not as much anymore, and the Houthis firing at rockets and shooting ships that um, are in any way connected to Israel or the United States or Britain. So the whole area is the shipping and in, in, in commerce is really up in the air. Iraq wants to be at the center of commerce. Very, no, my point number two, Iraq is undergoing, and these are all based on articles, is undergoing, these are quotes from them, a tremendous reconstruction um, on the ruins of war. It is scheduled to be completed in July 2025, at which point it's expected to be the largest port in the Middle East. Thank you to China. There's a picture of what's in, under development. Pretty significant. And I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but you get the idea. <laughs> Further, Iraq's government seeks to build 15 new cities in Iraq in partnership with 
Chinese firms. Are you noticing a, a pattern here? China is uh, intricately, intimately involved with this rebuilding of Iraq. In 2019, Iraq signed a 20-year contract, which, so if you do some calculation, that means up to 2039, agreeing to supply Chinese firms with 100,000 barrels of oil per day with the revenue earmarked for funding various development projects in Iraq undertaken by Chinese firms. Following the deal, Chinese firms built 1,000 schools, developed a city airport, erected power plants, and completed several other infrastructure projects with more to come over these next 20 years. So China is massively involved in building up this Iraq that was so devastated with things of commerce built on their oil. They have tremendous oil reserves. So all that to say, the evidence does point to Babylon on the rise. It will be a major center of commerce in the end times. And things like that can happen rather quickly. <clears throat> the Bible also speaks, and I've mentioned in our first hour, this invasion from the north, the, God, the war of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. And we talked about the fact that that's, it, it's, it looks like a, a confederacy of Russia, Iran, uh, Ethiopia, Libya, or some of Turkey are some of the major players as they will come, especially from the north, but with cooperation from uh, the African region uh, against Israel. So here's some things showing interest in Russia and Israel. My first article, Russian President Vladimir Putin called for the creation of an independent, sovereign Palestinian state and accused Israel of having taken by force native Palestinian lands. So you see, Russia is very much trying to get involved in um, the situation in Israel. Russia is turning against Israel, growing dangerously close with Iraq, says Israeli Minister Gideon Sa'ar. So now, notice Russia and China are uh, getting together with Iraq, which was, again, just a wasteland after the war, except for what's underneath the sand. And so Russia and China are investing with, siding with Iraq, which Babylon will be an opponent of Israel in the end times. Again, here's the picture of all the nations that will come against uh, Israel as seen in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Iran, Russia, Turkey are demanding an end to Israeli attacks on Syrian soil. And this is one of the things that's kind of interesting to watch. We don't see too much of it playing in our news, but every once in a while you'll see Israel going in and bombing, attacking uh, places in Israel, airports uh, and things like that. What they're basically doing is Iran. Uh, we've heard about Hamas that's in Gaza. That's the terrorist organization, Hamas, in, that, that dominates in the Gaza Strip. Up in Lebanon is a group called Hezbollah. Now, Hamas is Sunni. Hezbollah is Shiite. Iran is Shiite, but Iran is funding both of them because Sunni or Shiite, they're against Israel. But Iran has especially worked with Hezbollah, the Shiite uh, terrorist group in Lebanon, and they have much more advanced accurate smart weaponry 
than Gaza and Hamas that just kind of fire rockets and we'll see if it hits something. They have intelligent, smart devices and hundreds of thousands in Lebanon. <clears throat> and uh, that's a problem for Israel. And so we see Iran, Russia, Turkey demand an end to Israeli attacks on Syrian soil. What's happening is Iran is shipping through Syria to Hezbollah all this armaments, especially the, 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 the high-tech stuff. And Israel is going to say, well, if you're going to send them high-tech stuff, we're going to try and keep them from getting it. So they just they, they track the shipment and they blow it up, or they track the storage area and they blow it up. Well, now they're starting to complain and say, stop bombing in Syria. And to which their answer is, stop shipping them weapons that, that are to be used against us. But, but, but now the pressure, Iran and Russia and Turkey, all three part of that invasion from the north are siding against Israel about these issues. Number four, Russia and Iran just finalized a, a 20-year deal that will change the Middle East forever. It will replace the 10-year deal signed in March and has been expanded not only in duration but also in scope and so particularly in the area of defense and energy. You keep seeing those, th you know, the, the energy issue and oil being an issue but here you see Russia and Iran, 20-year deal, energy and defense or military. And Iran and Russia are made the major players in that invasion from the north. <coughs> so those are just some things to encourage you. Keep an eye on Iran. Keep an eye on Russia. And um, now the next section is the scripture says there will be wars and rumors of war. In the end times, Matthew 24, 6 to 8, you, Jesus said, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, for the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. <clears throat> wars and rumors of war. War will be very much a part of the end times. You see that uh, in the sealed judgments as well. So there's some, some very troubling trends in recent news. Number one, Estonia, Finland. Uh, to my American audience, it would be fun to say, I wonder how many of those you could find on a map. Um, these are not uh, counties in Oklahoma. <laughs> Estonia, Finland plan to tr close the Baltic Sea to Russian warships. Now, that's all, when we start seeing a nation saying, we're going to close off access to something to Russia... Ask um, the Ukraine how things like that work. After, after Finland joins NATO, that's their plan. They're going to shut down access to the, Balt the Baltic Sea to Russia. Sweden and Finland officially applied for NATO membership on May 18th. This decision was prompted by Russia's full-scale war against Ukraine, which began in February of 2022. So here's the point. Um, when these other countries, like uh, Sweden and Finland saw the Ukraine being invaded and, and NATO countries, they're all their neighbors, and the United States saying, oh, sorry, you're not in NATO, so we don't have to help you. Uh, we'll, we'll sell you weapons, we'll, but we'll send you weapons, but we're not going to help you. So some of the other countries that aren't in NATO started saying, maybe we need to get in NATO, because if you're in NATO and you're invaded, the other NATO countries are required to assist. And so now all of a sudden, Sweden and Finland are saying, hmm, Russia is crossing its border to seize territory and NATO membership could help. 
we're going to join NATO. And that's in the process as we speak. Germany is preparing for a Putin attack against NATO in 2025. Now, if you think, we're in 2024 now. That's next year. Germany is preparing for war with Russia next year. Leaked secret plans reveal a step-by-step how Russia will escalate conflict to an all-out war in 18 months. What's interesting is I've seen this in various sources and various nations over there are talking about we have to be ready for war with Russia in the next couple of years. <clears throat> this was, uh, I think, from a German source. You see the map. I won't get you all into it. But this is their understanding of Russia's plan to invade Europe. Now, a lot of people might look at that and say, oh, come on, they're not going to do that. And, and that would take us back to 1938, 1939, when people said, surely Germany isn't going to invade. All they want to do is take back what they claim is theirs. Right now, all they're doing is trying to seize territory in Ukraine so ethnically Russian people can be a part of the ethnic Russian homeland. That's how, it's, that's how World War II started. And then it continued east and north. And so you see uh, Germany and Sweden and others are preparing to go to war with Russia. Now, one of the problems is, in terms of war with Russia, like the United States, we are at the top of the ladder for high-tech weaponry. The problem is high-tech weaponry has a high cost. Russia has, has, has a long history of saying, uh, I'd rather have a tank, a hundred moderately technical tanks than one or two very expensive high-tech tanks. So Russia has a strategy of let's send lots of people, let's send lots of tanks and weaponry, and you may have higher tech, but we're going to overwhelm you with numbers. That's also a Chinese strategy. And so uh, Europe is getting anxious. Remember how Trump kept saying, why is it the United States is putting more into Europe's defense than the Europeans? The Europeans are starting to take seriously. Russia is coming. And Russia comes by just overwhelming numbers. What are we going to do? <clears throat> All that to say, I mean, literally, we could be in World War III within two years. And they're preparing for that in Europe. Norway military chief says war with Russia is possible and within three years. Do you, you hear a theme coming from all these neighbors of Russia saying we can be at war in a few years? A few years. Um, war between Russia and Norway could occur within three years according to NATO's members armed forces chief. Here's another article um, from World News Reporter. World War III has already begun, as warning issued no chance of peace for decades. In stark assessment of the global security landscape, experts at the Foreign Strategy Conference in central London today um, issued a chilling warning claiming that the war in Ukraine may signify the start of World War III with no prospect of peace for decades. 
So basically they're saying, no, it's not that war is going to come, it's begun. Uh, the first front is Ukraine. And so uh, just to encourage you, it's not limited to Europe. If you've been tracking the news at all, um, China has thoughts about Taiwan. And in fact, uh, uh, President Xi has said, um, you know, it's going to, China will be part, will, the China, Taiwan will be brought back into the fold, in other words, conquered by communist China in, be, while he, while during his rule. And some have said that include, that would be by 2025. I'm not going to be predicting dates of the return of Christ nor dates when this stuff might come to be. But if you think about the world leaders that are watching America, which is, of course, they always have to put America into the formula. They don't know what kind of president we're going to have in our next election, right? So we, we, we'll have a new president. We, we could have a different president in 2025. Will that president be more of a threat or less of a threat than our current president? And I think we have to admit our current president is not exactly seen as aggressive. And so if you're thinking, uh, we're going to go to war, when do I do it? When there's a timid president or a um, bellicose president? That's the kind of thinking that's going on in places like Beijing right now. So we could see war break out in Asia as well as in Europe. Matter of fact, you could imagine they might want to say, this is a good time. Spread out our resources, which are reduced. And then if you want to talk about potential for war, the whole thing of the Houthis and what's happening uh, in Yemen. So the, the Houthis are rebels who have been trying to take over the country of Yemen. I believe they control the capital. But they are Iranian-supported uh, terrorists. Um, matter of fact, they were on the terrorist watch list. When President Biden became president, he took them off the watch list. Recently, he's put them back on the watch list as terrorists. They are massively affecting international trade by shutting down the trade routes. Uh, either Insurance companies are either saying, we're not going to insure ships or it's going to be very expensive. We're seeing shipping going down in this vital area, um, especially for oil shipments. And um, that's the kind of thing that sends people into war. So we could be watching for, it'll be a time of wars and rumors of war. And that's why you see a, there'll be a desire for someone who can bring peace <clears throat> or treats, however you want to pronounce it. Persecution of Christians will be characteristic of the end times. In Matthew 24, 9, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Um, Revelation 6, 9 describes uh, in a scene of heaven where the, the souls of the martyrs are there. Here's news from Mexico. In Hidalgo State, Mexico, Christian persecution in Mexico, which has, been, has risen due to drug cartel violence, persecution by traditionalist Catholics, and violent discri discrimination by anti-Christian left-wing groups. Is, so right in Mexico, we're seeing persecution coming from religious Catholics, non-religious liberals, leftists, and the drug cartels. But that's three very disparate enemies wanting to deal with persecuting Christians. Um, a state senator in Nebraska. You know, that's that flyover country that, that doesn't have a whole lot of respect. That's us. I mean, that's, that's farmers and such. 
A state senator from Nebraska, a Democratic senator, wants to see children protected from vacation Bible school. The way it started was they, the legislator started promoting uh, protecting kids from predators at camps and that sort of thing. And so this Democrat senator said, oh, well, let's make that also protecting them from the Bible and kind of putting those on uh, an even level. But that's the view of Christianity. We have to protect them. Let's outlaw vacation Bible school to protect our kids. In Arizona, a school district in Arizona banned graduates or, or teaching students from the Arizona Christian University uh, from uh, doing their internships in, their, in the school district because of their faith and of the moral values like traditional view of marriage. Uh, so they said, we will not take any students from that school because of the faith issues. Well, that fortunately uh, was battled and a victory came to ACU saying that's religious discrimination. But, but the point is, we see a growing trend, let's ostracize these, um, these who hold to a biblical, and especially biblical, not just biblical beliefs, but biblical moral values. In the United Kingdom, so we're talking here, by the way, um, uh, you know, Arizona, Nebraska, now in the United Kingdom, which has lots of issues, a street preacher was convicted of misgendering a man. There was a man who claimed to be a woman, and he, called, he referred to him as a, this gentleman, and for that he was uh, charged with a crime. Um, you wouldn't have to go back too many decades when that would be laughable. You know, if we had a time machine, and I'm not saying such a thing exists, but if you could take a, that, a newspaper with that article back 30 years, and people would say, oh, you're being ridiculous. Remember, I talked about this Finnish member of parliament from Finland, um, and she's a believer, and she was uh, charged with the crime of hate speech because she quoted a... Um, she just took a picture, I think, of a Bible passage that speaks of biblical morality. And so she was charged with the crime of hate speech. And it went before the court, and they went out on appeal, and she was exonerated. And now they're trying again on the same charge to charge her. Prosecutors are advancing their case in Finland's highest court in an effort to find both Christians, um, which would be a minister and this parliamentarian, of thousands of euros and censor their speech. Quote, after my full exoneration in two courts, I'm not afraid of hearing before the Supreme Court, she said. So they're not letting go. They're going after a, a, like a member of Congress because she posted a picture of a Bible verse, which is hate speech. Uh, they're argue, the prosecutors, and they're not going to let go of it in Finland. <clears throat> and then uh, I, and just generally speaking, additional violent persecution has been seen in Nigeria. We don't see too much about Nigerian news, but uh, Nigerian Muslims have been horrifically, uh, violently, attacking Christians, burning down churches, homes, villages, and I won't go into any more detail. Same thing's been happening in northern India. There's regions of southern India that are Christian-friendly, 
And the, the, they, they trace the beginnings, the origins of Christianity in southern India back to the Apostle Thomas. But in northern India, it's kind of a nationalist thing. If you embrace Christianity, you're not a good Indian. And so they have been, again, violently fought, making false charges, attacking churches, abusing their women. Uh, so our, our, our brethren in India and Nigeria are facing horrific challenges. China ensures stability of the nation by demolishing churches and removing crosses. And there's an article about that. You know, it's, uh, Christianity is seen as a destabilizing influence that has to be addressed. They're attempting to stifle Christianity with an education system crackdown. Um, and so what they're saying is it's uh, uh, illegal to teach your children the gospel. Children, they, they're putting up signs in front of churches. Uh, no one under the age of 18 is allowed to go in there. You cannot teach your child the gospel. You cannot, uh, and the schools are, are aggressively anti-Christian. And uh, if you homeschool a child, some are trying to do that, you can be fined hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so one of the things they're doing is they're setting up um, uh, Sunday schools in homes. But, you know, cause, and I, this brings me back to many years ago, before we started this church, when Barb and I were uh, at Richland Bible Fellowship. And there was a brother who had, uh, was a physician who had, who had been in, in, in prison for his faith in China. And he, was coming, he shared his testimony and... And uh, one of the things he talked about, the fact that his, his, the, what he went to jail for was because he shared the gospel with his daughter. And so he went to prison for 12 years. And so I went up afterwards and I said, well, tell, me, tell me how's your daughter? And he teared up and said, she has no faith. They, they won. Now, so that's the aggressively attack. Um, go after the kids. Now, go after the kids. Remember, that was Hitler's strategy. Well, if you can't change the minds of the parents, but we can sure get the kids. So we need to pray for our brothers and sisters there. Immorality will be on the rise. Here's a headline. Quote, well, let me just read 2 Timothy for a bit first. Realize, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of men, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful and unholy. Well, that'll be shocking when that happens. Unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they deny its power and avoid such men as these. So here's the end times will be times of great immorality. Three years in prison for saying men cannot get pregnant. Remember that old thing that they used to throw at us? Follow the science. In several different countries, there are criminal penalties for denying transgenderism. It is a crime to deny that. Now, there's some encouraging things. Some, when I think of liberal countries, I often think of Scandinavian countries. Some of them are turning around their policies, saying, um, this is not good. But, but we are we're in a pivotal time. Some U.S. cities are legitimizing polyamory, kind of like uh, polygamy. Uh, that article in particular was uh, based in Boston, where it's legally recognized benefits and all that sort of thing. 
related to that, and I sometimes wrestle, what category do I put some of these things? And especially on the areas of immorality and all that, you'll, you'll notice that I try to be generic. Here's an article um, from, uh, here's a, a tweet, or whatever you now call it if it's under X. But here's another um, legislator, a South Dakota state representative, Erin uh, Healy. She posted this. And the extremist, extremist fit group, Family Heritage Alliance, said this morning that the safest place for kids are in families that have a married mom and dad. What a dangerous and un-American belief. Now, this isn't a satire. You, know, you want to check, is this Mad Magazine? What, what is this? Is it, no, this is, this is a person who writes laws saying it's un-American to say it's good for children to have a mom and a dad in the home. The world's topsy-turvy. <clears throat> well, that's just uh, an example. You could go, we could all, I think, go and list lots of things we've heard about in recent days. But this, these are characteristics. The, the threat to the family, the issues of immorality are end-time characteristics. Matthew 24, 12, Jesus says, Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. This, to me, has been my theme verse when I read so much of the newspaper. Lawlessness, lovelessness. Isn't it amazing how brutal people are to total strangers? And you, we, we see this every day now in the news, where they're literally, someone will be walking down the street and throw a devastating punch at someone, maybe an older woman or something, just to do it. Lovelessness, lawlessness. So just a few examples. San Francisco's oldest toy store, and I have not seen the movie is it Toy Story? Is that, a, is that the name of a movie? I, I think it's actually supposed to be based on this toy store. How's that for someone who's out of touch? Not sure about the name of the movie, not sure about the theme of the movie, but I'm not sure about the store, but that's their news event, okay? But anyway, so here's a, a, a beloved and famous store due to crime and drugs is shutting down. Uh, it's just the homeless problem. And, and San Francisco is plagued like that. In Oakland which is the city next to, to Berkeley, you know, where I went to school, there's an In-N-Out. Now, In-N-Out burgers are famous in California, start in California. Um, they had to shut down. They, have, they had one store in Oakland, and they've had to shut it because there's so much crime. It's, it's not safe to go to work at the store or to get a hamburger at the store because of the crime in the neighborhood. Article, Burger King employee killed after customer complains about a long drive through line. That's the world we live in. You make me, and, and have you seen scenes where people come crawl through those windows or throw things at servers because uh, you didn't give me ketchup, you did give me ketchup. Where I asked for onion rings and you get literally becoming physically violent over things like these. Because of lawlessness, love growing cold. You know when people used to go the extra mile for others and be kind? and um, That's so lost. Then just in summary, stores across America are closing uh, due to crime. Major cities are becoming dangerous. You'll hear about Walgreens and CVS and others saying, we're just having to pull our stores out because 
we are losing so much due to crime that we just, it, it no longer makes sense. Um, there's a major mall in San Francisco that was like the place to go and, you know, just full of the best of stores. It was the uh, San Francisco mall now loses a fifth store in a month as occupancy plunges to just 25%. You can, can imagine how in San Francisco property is extremely expensive. You've got this mall with only one-fourth of the store space used because no one wants to go there. It's too dangerous. It's too filthy. And, and again, I grew up, I, when I was growing up, you know, when it was horses and buggies. <laughs> but I remember as a kid, my brother and I would get on a train and we'd go up the peninsula to go to San Francisco, just the two of us, and we'd wander around. We'd go to Fisherman's Wharf. We'd go to uh, Ripley's, believe it or not, the Wax Museum. We'd wander around, get back on the train and go home. I don't know that I would do that today as an adult. And you, you hear stories. I remember uh, uh, there was a news crew doing a story about crime in, in San Francisco. They weren't away from their car five minutes before it was broken into and stolen, or all their equipment stolen out of it. You know. uh, so, I mean, San Francisco, which used to be one of the most beautiful and beloved cities in America, is becoming filthy and so dangerous, no one wants to go there. No one wants to... I'm not going to go to a mall there. It's too dangerous. What did the passage say? Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. <clears throat> Back in ancient history when I grew up, it was not uncommon for people to pick up hitchhikers. You'd be crazy to do that now. That used to be considered something loving to do. Now it's considered something insane because it's too dangerous. So the, and that was, these are the characteristics of end time events. And by the way, I'm not encouraging picking up or becoming a hitchhiker. <laughs> Opposite. Anti-Semitism. In Revelation chapter 12, we, we, we read about the, um, the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation. I talked about it in our first hour. This is when there's a battle in heaven between Michael and Satan. Satan's kicked out of heaven. And we're told this, Revelation 12, 12 to 13. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. They're rejoicing because Satan's gone. Ha, ah, finally, got, got rid of that neighbor. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath because he knows he has a short time. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. The male child is the Messiah, the woman is Israel, a woman with 12 stars around her head, 12 tribes. That's Israel. As Satan is cast out, he's, he's hated the Jews all along. Why? Because they're God's chosen people. If you can wipe out Israel, God can't keep his promise. If you go after Israel, they're the ones that gave us the Bible and the Messiah and loved God, so Satan hates them. But in the end time, they're the people of the Messiah who's about to conquer and become king. So he's going to go after them with a fury that has never been seen. Yesterday was Holocaust Memorial Day. A little over three months ago, we saw the, the most vi violence, most Jews killed in one day since the Holocaust in Gaza, or the neighborhood of Gaza. And this is saying in the end times, Satan's Anti-Semitism will be unparalleled. 
Anti-Semitism comes from Satan because he hates the people of the book. He hates the people of the Messiah. And so you see those who hate Christ going after the Jews. Hitler did that. He tried to clear out references to the Jews and the Jewishness of Jesus in the Bibles and the churches in Germany. And we could give constant examples. But you want examples of anti-Semitism, look at Gaza. It was an attack on the Jews. And I cannot go into the details of that, but it was absolutely horrific. And not only were the terrorists horrific, they were celebrated and joined in their abuses as they brought the victims back into Gaza. What was the crime of those people? They are Jews. Have you been paying attention to what's happened throughout our country? Uh, last summer, Barb and I were having some conversations with people, and I mentioned the growing rise in anti-Semitism. They said, oh, you mean uh, skinheads? I said, oh, no, no, I'm not talking about skinheads. Oh, yeah, they're out there. KKK is out there. But no, I'm talking about the academics. I'm talking about the progressives. There's an, there's an, in, an inherent and incipient anti-Semitism. And that was hard to believe from someone. Well, this hasn't, what has this year shown us? After Gaza, what were the protests about on our campuses? Justice for the Jews? No. What was the theme? From the river to the sea. That's a motto of the terrorists that says, from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, genocide. Exterminate the Jews. And isn't it remarkable? The Jews are the ones being accused of genocide. But campuses across this country, Harvard, Columbia, MIT, and others, massive demonstrations on the campuses condemning the Jews, condemning the victims as the guilty ones. What's their crime? They're Jewish. Streets across America and across the world. London. And I was kind of stunned again with my family heritage. Denmark. Massive marches calling for the destruction of the Jews. Denmark. Denmark stands out in history as the one nation that stood with the Jews. A fewer percentage of Jews were killed in, in Denmark than any other place in Europe because the, Jew, the Danes got them out of the country and snuck them off to Sweden. The Danes built up their underground system to protect the Jews, and now there's marches calling for the destruction of the Jews. And the reason much of that is those that are marching are not from Denmark. They're not from London. They're not from Harvard or Columbia or MIT. They're people who have come to this country and brought their hatred with them. <clears throat> this is, uh, um, I believe it's Portland, Oregon. What does it say? London. London, that's what it says. Thank you for reading the sign. I knew I wrote it there somewhere, but I see here something about Port Yeah, this is from London. Victory in the Intifada. Intifada is the anti-Israel terrorist wars. You hear about the first intifada, the second. These are their terrorist wars. Victory in terrorism is another way you could translate that. Look at that street in 
London. Washington, D.C. Stop funding oppressors. Oppressors are Israel. Glasgow, Scotland. Interestingly, uh, some of the early missions to bring the gospel to Israel came out of Scotland. Harvard University. Harvard, out of occupied, I'm guessing, territory, um, accusing the Jews of genocide. The Jews are the ones who have been the victim of genocide. There are less than 20 million Jews in all the world. Dallas. And I can't be clear. I'm not sure who that is. Uh, but... Enjoy hell, the person with the Israeli-flagged serpent's tail. I believe that's Netanyahu. This is Dallas, Texas. Israel murders children. Why is the world... Dallas, Texas. So what this has done is not... It hasn't created anti-Semitism. It has unveiled it. And this is one of the characteristics of the end times. That is my final point. Now some thoughts. First of all, um, you'll notice I have three points to help you alliterate this. What is the effect of thinking about prophecy? This isn't um, all curiosity, fascination, fill in the diagram. We, we see this in First Corinthians uh, thirteen, uh, first I mean First John chapter three verses one and two, where John says, "Those who have this hope purify themselves as he is pure." Now, there was, uh, this is telling us the return of Jesus is soon. Not to be fearful, but to be ready in heart to meet the Savior. He's coming soon. Do I want to be found ready? Do I love His appearing? And so this, this is not, again, to instill fear or hatred. Uh, it, I think I want you to be, I think it's a call to discernment, to watch these trends and to recognize um, what can I do to slow things down, to, to, to uh, change the values of things, but to be discerning about these trends among us. And in my own heart, to purification. It's a call to prayer. How are we supposed to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How does the book of Revelation close? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so, meaning, oh, it's going to be a mess. Come Lord Jesus. And so we pray, Lord, come. That's a fa- and, and, I, and I think, too, this, this rec- reminds us that we live in a fallen world. And what did Jesus say? Don't be surprised if they hate you. They hated me. What did they do to Jesus? We can expect no less. 
And so this reminds us, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And Lord, please rapture me now so I can be with you. I just changed the words. (laughs) (laughs) And then also proclamation or preaching. Based on the prophetic truths of Scripture, we should be faithful in persuading others to know Christ. So one thing we can do is um, prophecy is something that somehow often God will use to awaken people of the need to meet the Savior. They see these things and you say, oh yeah, this is in the Bible. Oh, this is in the Bible. This fits with what the Bible says. And they start saying, huh, what else is in there? Oh, God is holy and you're not. But he's made provision for that. So helping people to recognize you need to be ready because he's coming. And you want to meet him as a believer who follows him rather than as an enemy who resists him. And I think it's a call to courage. I mentioned some who have faced persecution that are willing to be courageous about saying, well, I'm going to speak the truth and and I'll deal with the consequences. I've often used the example that really challenges me. I'm not sure I could follow it. But I think of the the story I read about the pastors in Vietnam. You know, you probably remember I've said this. Because of the persecution of the church and the likelihood of going to prison, when the pastors would go to church on Sunday morning to preach, they brought a little suitcase for what they wanted to bring to prison with them. That's how real persecution was to them. Instead of saying, I'm going to take a suitcase and I'm getting out of here. No, I'm going, to bring a suit, I'm going to bring my prison stuff because as I go to preach because that's how real it is. May God give us the courage. And I'm not saying that we're talking about prison real soon. And often our persecution is um, someone might give us a funny look. Someone might take us off the invitation list to something. It might close a door to some jobs. Do I have the courage and the gracefulness to represent Christ? And how we need to pray for those who are closer to the fire. Well, it's been quite an evening, quite a day. Thank you for your time and attentiveness. I I hope I've not troubled your heart. I hope I've stirred us all up a little bit. If not two lessons to, to come from that, this world is not my home. And I need to be ready to meet Jesus. He's coming. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for sowing us so much. And Father, as, as the better we read your word, the better we understand ourselves and this world in which we live. I do pray, Father, right now for our brothers and sisters that are definitely much closer to severe opposition in the, in the midst of it. I think of brothers and sisters in prison in North Korea right now and brothers and sisters um, in other terrible situations. Father, I pray for the hostages that are in the tunnels of Gaza. And Lord, how I pray if any of, that the gospel may abound among them. I pray for any believers that may be there. Lord, cause us to be faithful to you, courageously faithful, graciously faithful, 
And Father, may we be a picture of Christ. May we be a light in darkness. Father, as we said, seeing these things, it says to us that the world will become more troubled. I pray for our world leaders to face the threats coming from Russia, China, and Iran, North Korea. And Father, I pray for us that we might be ready to meet Christ, ready to speak for Christ. Father, we could not do that without your enabling, and so we pray your Holy Spirit would abound within us. And Father, we pray that Jesus Christ would be glorified in and through us, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for your attentiveness.